Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy birthday, Priscilla. Rapido. Did you know that it's her birthday today? I don't think anybody knew that. Nobody did. It wasn't on anyone's radar, but nope. I just want you to rem- remember, and Priscilla Rapido. Nobody sang to her on this past Sunday. Not so. a single one, or even Wednesday. She was at the uh, youth meeting on Wednesday. No uh-huh. one sang to her then either. Yeah, so if you see her this weekend on Sunday, which you will, maybe sing her happy birthday. She's on the worship team. She loves when people sing to her and isolate yep. and like just call her out. In fact, they love when they when the spotlight's on her and she's called to stand and just speak off the cuff. She's yep. about that too. In fact, she might like it if you sang happy birthday to her multiple times on Sunday. Uh, yeah, because she doesn't feel acknowledged or honored. Yeah. In fact, Pastor PJ, I know for a fact she would love for you to sing to her, even on this podcast. R- even on the podcast. Yeah. So, <clears throat> ready? Uh. <clears throat> yeah. I don't. I don't want to puff her up too much. Though. <laughs> I want to keep her humble. So maybe next year, Priscilla. All right. Keep praying. But happy birthday. We're happy thankful birthday. for yep. you. Yes, we are. Yeah. Hey, this is the home of the uh, the new newly crowned. 2023 World Series champion Texas Rangers Daily Bible Podcast. Wow. Is that what the podcast is called now? Uh, if we could get a sponsorship, title. I'd do it. It's a long time. I don't know that the title of the podcast could fit all those characters yeah. on it, but okay, we'll yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I watched it, of course, with my, my family and uh, there was much celebration. Yeah. I'm glad my team finally won, man. It's <laughs> Are good. You, name three players on um, the Rangers. <laughs> I would have been good until you this qualified year. it. Uh, uh, Nolan Ryan? Not, not, no. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who's, uh, yes. hold on, hold on, hold on. All uh, of them he's, are. <laughs> they're all guys still. Uh, there's a guy that they signed recently that was a big deal. Um, it's, a, it's a Hispanic name. I don't even think that's accurate. <laughs> okay, okay. I was reaching, man, because I figured yeah. a lot of them, they're, you know, Cuban and his Cor- Corey Seager. Seager, yeah. Yeah, yep, Adalis yep. Garcia. That's who I was thinking. Yeah. Garcia. He, yeah. He Garcia. See, not, there you go. Yep, but Hispanic. Not, not signed recently. Okay, so. well. Also Cuban. Cuban. Um, I say Hispanic. I yeah. mean, Hispanic. Is, yeah. That's kind of a broad brush. Yeah. Marcus Simeon. He's another one. Marcus Evan Carter. Carter. So get this about Evan Carter. He was in double A. He was playing for the Frisco Rough Riders this no summer. Way. And ended up on a World Series winning team. That's a good time. That, that, that's good timing. Yeah. Good transition. That's called that's called uh, scaling up. Yeah. We, Amanda and I were joking. He was going to have the other guys sign his yearbook afterwards. Like, hey, <laughs> Marcus, will you sign my yearbook? No, he was cool. He he showed up uh, in in pregame warmups this season. He had a blue shirt on that said Jesus won, and uh, caught on. A couple other guys on the team were wearing the shirt too. So I oh, wow. I don't know a whole lot behind the shirt, but pretty cool anytime you, you see that that is cool we should yeah. come to our church yeah using along a platform with the dude perfect guys right yeah that'd be awesome that'd be fantastic let's do it yeah well hey let's uh get into the old testament reading for today jeremiah chapter 36 and 37 and then we we cover an entire book today can you believe that one whole can you book believe we have to cover an entire book in yep. the new testament yeah letter book <sighs> philemon another prison epistle philemon or philemon heard it both ways philemon 
uh, Jeremiah chapter 36, this one I kind of summarized as fearless and foolish, um, because that's the description of, uh, of the King here in his response to, uh, Jeremiah's prophecy, um, and the, uh, the, the actions that are taken there. And as the would so happen, it, it, Jeremiah is prophesying, receives a word from the Lord that says, Hey, I want you to write these words down. And so he, he does that. Um, and he sends it with Baruch because Jeremiah is under uh, house arrest at the time and, and not able to, to uh, be a part of the, the king's court. Sends it with Baruch and uh, Baruch goes as a representative and he says there uh, that, that he wants him to go with this message still imploring and pleading for repentance, which again, I was just reminded of the, the conflicted heart of the prophet here um, as he's still prophesying doom and gloom for Jerusalem and yet still hoping some somehow that the people will repent and turn. And, and yet that's not what happens at all. He goes with the scroll. The scroll is, is read in the presence of the king. The king orders that sections be cut off and it's burned right there in a censer next to him um, as the scroll is being read. And the reason is, is because there was no fear of God. And look at that. We find that in thirty six twenty four. Neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they fear tear their garments. So the, the appropriate response, that repentance that Jeremiah was hopeful for is not what was found as the king heard these words and responded by destroying the scroll. Now, as it would happen, uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah rather was able to, to replicate the words and, and had Baruch record another scroll that, uh, that didn't get destroyed. But this is a, a, a brazen act of disobedience. And it reminded me PR of a lot of our, our, our leaders in our nation today. And Sorry, as we met our church, no, Reminded me of our church yeah. leaders. They just, yeah, they just <laughs> cut the Bible out there. Yeah, but just the lack of the fear of God and, and political issues that you can think of, I'm sure, very easily, whether it be gender identity, same-sex uh, attraction, and, and the laws that come therein, and abortion. I mean, the, the, we see such brazen disobedience with God, and there's just no fear of God before their eyes at all. Indeed, and that's uh, a, a good warning for us because God is not going to tolerate sin indefinitely. Yeah, There is a time when he'll say, that's enough. And as our old pastor used to say, God's going to get off the couch yep. and he's going to deal with the kids that need to be disciplined or judged. Now, quick time marker here, just because I've kind of been doing that with Jeremiah. Yep. Uh, chapter 36, we're in about 605 BC. So if you recall, uh, Judah has three deportations Maybe there's a fourth one that's kind of a smaller one, but three deportations, the first one being 605, second one being 597, and then the third and final one being 586. And you'll notice we're counting backward because time goes backward before Christ, BC. And so 605, 597, 586. This is 605. After this chapter, we're going to start tightening the time frame, and it's not going to vary nearly as much. So if you've been trying to figure out where we're at chronologically, uh, we're backward in time again. We're going to go forward in time, and we're going to stay stay around the time of the uh, the final deportation in 586. So hang on to your hats. Good job sticking by. Heed the warnings of Jeremiah in this chapter. Yeah, and by the way, the king here is Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim's end is prophesied not only in Jeremiah 36, but also it, there's a callback to Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 13 through 19, where Jehoiakim's end was prophesied about there. And we see that again here in the end of chapter 36, specifically verses 30 through 31. You can read about what God is going to say is going to happen to Jehoiakim because of his lack of fear. Mm. So a good reminder to us, we need to fear God. Even as believers, we still need to fear God. I was talking with my daughter about that the other day. She was asking me that question about... Do I fear God? Yeah, right. And, and she had read something about... Um, eternal punishment in hell. And, and so she said, dad, if I'm uh, afraid of that, does that mean I'm, I'm not saved? 
And uh, what a sweet question. Right. That melts my heart that she asked that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talked about the healthy fear that Christians should have, even of the, the concept of God's wrath and eternal punishment, even though we are confident in our relationship with God, that, that we are forgiven in Christ and that that's not ours. Perfect love casts out fear that we're going to suffer that. And yet there's a right fear of respect, reverence, uh, even trepidation over the fact that, that God is a wrathful and holy God and that curbs our, our sinfulness. So if you were to try to marry the two concepts of love and fear, put those together, what should that feel like? Yes. <laughs> that, that, I've said it up that way. Yeah. But if you want me to, I will. No, no, no. Do we love God or do we fear him, Pastor PJ? No, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it really comes back to, again, one of our distinctives that we seek to maintain a high view of God, right? That, that, that imminence and transcendence. There's another two concepts that we've talked about a lot, I feel like, is that, that, that God is very near to us and he's approachable and we can call out Abba, Father, as the Apostle Paul says, and yet he's the transcendent God of all creation. That as we approach him, we do so recognizing as you would going before a, a king or a ruler or, a, or an authority anywhere on this earth. You would not walk in flippantly and think that this is no big deal to come in before the king. You, you would come in with a a sense of of respect and and uh, of reverence for the position and the authority that's that's communicated therein, if nothing else. And when it's the God of the universe, how much more should that be ratcheted up? So there's a balance wherein we can draw near to Him as His adopted sons and daughters, and yet we do so mindful that He is all powerful, Almighty, and omniscient and omnipotent and and omnipresent, and He is the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, and we draw near carefully when we draw near Him. So it is appropriate then for Christians to have a fear of God. Yes. As you said, though, it's not a fear of condemnation. It's not a fear of being sent to hell. That's been nailed to the cross. Jesus has paid it all, as we so often sing. But there is a fear there. Yeah. It's a fear of discipline, a fear of displeasing him even. I think that's part of it. I don't want want to violate God's standard. There is a fear of, I don't know, a a fear of violating his holiness, which is, I guess, related to what I just said. But there is a sense of fear. And and to use other words that you said, reverence, respect, Mm -hmm. awe. Um, In the same way that when you go to the Grand Canyon, uh, you're not going to play around and dance on the edges. You have a natural and good fear not to play there so that you don't fall over. The same way we don't flirt and trifle with God's holiness. I don't want to fall over into discipline or, I mean, as first Corinthians 11 says, sometimes God actually does take our lives in a, in a way to discipline us and to keep us from further sin. Yeah. So it, it is good to fear God, not yeah. for hell, uh, but to fear him out of respect, awe, adoration, but still with a great deal of love. Yep. Yeah. Well, as we get into chapter 37, as you just mentioned earlier, Pastor Rod, we are fast forwarding to uh, King Zedekiah now, who is uh, one of the, the last, in fact, the last king there of, uh, of Judah there. And, and uh, so we are, are picking up here and, and there's multiple uh, imprisonments in the book of Jeremiah. Again, it's, it's it, Jeremiah is hard to track as, as Pastor Rod, you've been doing a good job just helping us chron- chronologically kind of try to follow along. But there's times that he's put in prison. There's times that like in the last chapter that we looked at, he was banned from entering the king's presence. But in verse four here, we read he had not yet been put in prison. So there's, there's different times that he is restrained and, and constrained. And, and here he's, he's got some freedom, it appears at this point in time mm-hmm. in his ministry. And verse six, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. By the way, we haven't really talked about 
that, but that's a key marker in any of the prophets is, is that concept, the word of the Lord came to. And that's just a reminder that these are not just men bringing their own thoughts, their own messages. These are not the false prophets, that this is the, the inerrant word of God uh, that is coming to Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah goes with that message. And basically his message to Zedekiah here is, hey, two things. Uh, number one, don't trust in Egypt. Uh, Egypt's not going to come through for you because Assyria had pulled back a little bit uh, and, and stumbled a little bit in the presence of Egypt. And so the temptation may have been there to, to trust in Egypt, but Jeremiah was saying, don't do that. And then number two, realize, man, you have to understand, Zedekiah, how much trouble you're really in and the people of Judah are really in. Because he says there uh, in, in verse 10, he says, look, even if there remained only a few wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. I mean, how hopeless is that situation? Look, even if you were to, to wound every single one of their soldiers, they would still be able to overthrow the, overthrow the city because this is not their power, but God's power working through them as, as an instrument of his judgment. Amen. And on top of that, one of the things I love about this chapter is that it highlights the fact that God actually uses Jeremiah's eventual imprisonment in the latter half of verse 37 yeah. uh, to preserve him. Yeah. It's the it's the imprisonment itself that he's preserved through the imprisonment and not in spite of it. Right. Which is to say, I think that most of us look at trials and hardships as being they could be discipline. They could be difficulties that we just have to overcome. No, in this case, the, the difficulty was actually a deliverance. And we need to understand that as we go through these various situations in our lives, we may say, God, why, why me? Why is this happening to my, to, you know, why are you treating me this way? But perhaps, perhaps God is doing something through that, that you can't even tell. Now, like uh, John Piper said it better than I'm going to repeat him in a moment here, but he, he says it this way, God is doing like 10 million things and you're maybe aware of three of them. Mm. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. Like we could see maybe a few things that he's doing, but he's always doing 10 millions of things. He's running the whole universe. Yeah. And you're just, you just have to be part of the story. So I would sit back, relax and maybe enjoy the ride. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in this chapter he's imprisoned, he goes secretly to Zedekiah because Zedekiah calls from him, for him in secret and, and Jeremiah basically calls Zedekiah and says, what have I done wrong? And he's appealing, appealing to his integrity. And he's saying, what have I said that, that is wrong here. And Zedekiah is kind of left with his hands tied, so to speak. And so he just gives Jeremiah a little bit of a nicer prison this time. <laughs> moves him <laughs> out an of upgrade. the secretary of uh, Jonathan's house there and, and then moves him into the court of the guard there. And so, yeah, but uh, super helpful. But and he gets a loaf of bread every day. Yeah. He's preserved. <laughs> yeah, He's protected. He is. he is. Which, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a great point that God is doing so much more than we realize. He's he's big, he's a big God. And uh, sometimes it's, it's hard for us to give enough thought consequential thought to that we're going to be talking about the trinity on uh, on sunday morning and so i've been doing a lot of study and reading on that uh, this week getting ready for that sermon and man it's it's he's is such an incomprehensible god and mm. yet it's good for us to apply ourselves to try to learn more and more and more with it as much as we can about him mm. and yeah there's a there's a limit to that where we have to trust that our finitude has bumped up against his infinitude and we've got to, lest we fall into heresy by trying to explain what we can't explain, we have to, to throw our hands up and say, okay, I surrender. God, you're bigger than I can understand. Right. But I think we run to the opposite end of the extreme too much instead of giving thought about things like, okay, wow, God exists outside of time and is orchestrating the events of, of everything in the world, including what's going on in my life right now. Like, how do I wrap my mind around that? Um, it inspires worship and awe and wonder in us as we, uh, as, as we give should. that thought. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's Jeremiah chapter 36 and 37. Next, we are going to flip over to the book of Philemon in the New Testament. One chapter, not even a chapter, really, because there's not a chapter two. So I don't think you have a chapter one if there's not a chapter two. This book is like that. Jude is like that. Uh, second and third John, yes, are like that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to think if there's any others in the New Testament. I don't think so. Nothing comes to mind. Yeah. Revelation's definitely not like that. Nope. Luke, definitely not like that. Hey, but the letter to Philemon, Pastor Rod, why don't you uh, summarize Philemon for us? Why is Philemon here? Because it's weird, right? I mean, it's like- It is a weird one. It's a personal letter that like slept, crept its way into the Bible. I struggle, in fact, interesting that you bring this up. I actually struggled with this letter early on in my Christian faith because it seems weird. In fact, one of the things that I noticed about even Paul's interaction with Philemon is that he- comes across pretty strong. Yeah. It's like, even though I have the authority to tell you what to do, I'm going to appeal to you for love's sake. But even then he still kind of says it like, well, but you better do this. Right. <laughs> right. You owe me your life, Philemon. Okay. So let's start there. Paul apparently preached the gospel and either personally led Philemon to faith in Christ or by means of the disciples that Paul made, led him to faith in Christ. Either way, Paul's taking responsibility for the fact that Philemon now has a saving relationship with God. Seems to be well off enough where it appears that there's maybe a church meeting either in his home or near his home or somewhere near him. He seems to have means is what I'm saying. In Colossae, we think. In Colossae. Colossae, Colossae. You say Colossae, I say Colossae. Anyhow, so Paul writes a letter to him saying, hey man, I, I've got I, your, your slave, your runaway slave Onesimus, whose name means useful. Um, he's become a believer and he's become a brother. And so I'm going to appeal to you. I'm going to appeal to you to, to not discipline him, to not punish him according to the rule of the day. And so instead of treating him in that way, I'm going to appeal to you, receive him. And if he owes anything, charge it to my account, Paul says, and I want you to receive the slave back um, as, as evidence and testimony to the gospel. He's been made right with the Lord. You've been made right with the Lord. Treat him well. Better still, Paul reasons, how about you send him back to me and let me keep him? He's my child in the faith. Why don't you just let me have him and let me disciple him and let him become helpful to me? He was once useful to you. Now let him be useful to me. And that's kind of the heart of the letter. Paul leaves him with a, hey, by the way, I'm going to come and check in on you soon. So (laughs) make a room ready for me because I'm coming. Yeah. And that's it. Right. And and so we're left there to go, okay, so what what do we do with this? And there's, there's a lot of things there, right? I think so much relational I, reconciliation within the church. Classism um, is, is, I mean, that that's flipped on its head Yeah, to have a personal relationship with the slave to say, my, my slave, this guy that served my, my family is now my equal right. in many respects. Right. That's what Paul's saying. Right. That was huge. Which he's putting feet to when Paul says here, there's no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free person in, in those texts that we read those verses. I mean, this is right. what it looks like. This is what he's talking about. We are one in Christ. This is what he's talking about here. And, yeah, and, and this is just a, a good reminder, helpful reminder to us. There is zero room for division within the body of Christ unless we are throwing a flag on a tier one issue like we talked about, I think, a, a couple podcasts ago. Um, th- we need to be willing and ready to reconcile with other believers in the church. There is no situation wherein we can choose to say, well, I, I don't want to reconcile with that person. I'm not going to reconcile with that person. Mm-hmm. And, and this is important to us too, Christian. When I know a lot of times we, we think about uh, the concept of forgiveness. Do I have to forgive someone, right? How many times has that question come up in the counseling office or just in conversations? Right, especially if they violate the forgiveness. Right. I forgive them, they continue to do the same thing over and over again, then what? Right, right. And, and there's, of course, Jesus' famous interaction with Peter where he said, I tell you, not just seven times, but 77, or seven times, seven, 70. Um, and it's like, okay, four, 490 times and right. then I'm done. Counting. Right. It's like, no, you forgive 
always. And, and there's other passages, though, that, that uh, are quite chilling when it comes to harboring a spirit of unforgiveness. Like when it's said that if, if you don't forgive, you can't expect to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a direct correlation between our understanding of how much we've been forgiven and our willingness to forgive someone else. Because when we harbor a spirit of unforgiveness, like if Philemon had said, no, I'm not going to forgive Onesimus. Um, basically, what he's saying there is you've got the God of creation whose offense really is 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 primary when we're talking about this here. Onesimus first sinned against God before he sinned against Philemon there. Right. And, and if Philemon had said, no, I'm not going to do this. Basically, what he's saying is, okay, God's willing to forgive you, but my offense is greater than God's offense. And so I can't forgive you, even though God could forgive you. And that's, that's massive. And I don't think any of us would, would say that in a vacuum, but when we deny forgiveness, especially to a brother or sister in Christ, that's what we're communicating. We're saying in effect, my sense of justice is greater than God's sense of justice. So yes, God might forgive you, but I refuse to forgive you. Um, That's dangerous ground for us to be in. And that's why it's connected to the gospel because it betrays the fact that we don't understand the gravity of our sin Mm -hmm. when we're not willing to forgive the sin of somebody else. And that, if that if that's true, then we may have a misunderstanding of the gospel that puts us outside of the realm of the forgiveness that we hope that we have in in Christ. Right, and, and if you ever, I mean, think about it like this: there's no sin that anyone can commit against you where your sin does not weigh far more against God, yeah. who is able to say, you know what, I'm going to release you of that burden. I'm going to put it all upon Christ. So, lack of forgiveness is a pretty clear evidence of lack of being forgiven yeah. because it, it testifies to exactly what you were talking about, Pastor PJ. Can I ask you to comment on one thing in this passage here? Yeah. Um, Paul's tone with, uh, with his, with his brother Philemon. I, I, I want you to, is, is this an appropriate tone for a pastor today to take with a, a parishioner, a congregant to say, look, Hey, I want you to do this and I'm trusting you're going to do even more than that. Now, yeah, I, again, I used to stumble over this. I think I'm settled now, but I'd love to hear you talk about this. Um, verses, really, uh, verse 19. I, I write this. I will pray it. Uh, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you, and the Lord refresh me in Christ. I'll know, I know that you're going to do more than I say. Verse 21. Um, talk to that that tone that Paul uses. Yeah, I think a couple things. Number one, I, I, it, it's it, it's like when you've got conflict with somebody, it's always better to go in person than it is to write a text me- message or an email <laughs> because with text or an email, we lose the tone, right? Yeah. So we're reading a certain tone into this that we need to, I think, just be careful not to uh, ascribe to, to Paul something that maybe wasn't there. It could be that he w- really did have a charitable view of, of Philemon. And as he's writing this, he's truly saying, look, I, I, I know your heart, Philemon. And I'm confident that you're going to do above and beyond these things. So I'm just, I'm writing this to you because this is the unique situation that's presented itself. Onesimus has ended up with me and I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to do this because of, of your, your character. If that's not the case, I, I do think that there are, are situations wherein this is appropriate. And this is again, a, a, a we're at a disadvantage because we don't know the context of what's going on in Philemon's situation there in the background of this story. So if, for example, if Philemon was being divisive over this situation, if Philemon was being slanderous or, or attacking Onesimus and um, during this situation, then you've got a situation where mm-hmm. uh, Paul's called to, as we've looked at recently, uh, to warn such a person and to have nothing to do with a divisive person. If, if you've warned him once, you've warned him twice, then have nothing to do with him after that. So uh, again, we got to be careful not to read too much either way into the text, but there are situations wherein a pastor needs to exercise 
a, a level of sternness um, because of the danger that is at, at hand. And again, if this is a gospel issue, as we, we were just talking about with forgiveness, I think that, that Paul has a, a weightiness to him because the seriousness of what this is about. This is not just about two people being able to sit next to each other again in church. This is about, hey, Philemon, the, the gospel lived out would look like you welcoming this brother back in and, and reconciling with him. And so I think there's a sternness that's associated with that because of his concern that this might not be done and what that would mean. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. You know what? Let's, I, I do want to touch on this cause I think it's important because I think we probably have people out there listening with questions. Let's do it. Forgiveness. What if somebody doesn't seek my forgiveness? Do I still have to forgive them? Yes. Qualified. Yes. I would suggest to you that the posture of forgiveness must always be there. Even if the transacted forgiveness isn't isn't exchanged, the posture must remain. So, and I guess that would be my short answer. What would you say, Pastor PJ? Yeah, yeah, and I think so. I one of the things I've always talked about is forgiveness as it relates to your relationship with God versus forgiveness as it relates to your relationship with the the person that has sinned against you. And yeah, that transactional forgiveness. They may not come and say, "Hey, will you forgive me?" And yes, and now we're we're hugging and, and we're we're good to go. <laughs> But you harboring a spirit of unforgiveness against somebody else is going to interrupt your relationship with God, potentially even betray that you don't have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful and healthy and right and good for you to be able to release that offense against you and have that transactional forgiveness vertically, even if that transactional forgiveness horizontally never never fully takes place. So you need to be able to release that offense against you between you and God and trust him to be the God of of justice and vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says, says the Lord. I will repay. Trust that that will either have taken place at the cross or it will take place in eternity, but you're going to trust that to him and you're going to release that bitterness there. Amen. We well, had to be willing, even if that other person isn't right. Right. Super hard. Yes. But, uh, but possible by Christ. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in guys. We'll catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast, by the way, happy birthday to, uh, is it Priscilla's birthday? Oh, today? Pr- I forgot. We forgot to say happy birthday, Priscilla. Happy birthday, Priscilla. Well, you, you know what you should sing to her? Hey, we'll sing to her on Sunday. Okay. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm